All right, welcome everyone. Hello. Like Podcast, come back at you. It's me, Fletcher, with me as always. Me. Mr. Whitehead, joining us as always, our legal counsel. Hello, hello. Mr. Hudson, joining us, our fourth man. Uh, I just got a question. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? I don't know. What is he cooking, Ian? Womp, womp, womp. That sound. It better be good if he talked about it for years. But, he did. Uh, he did. A lot of people smelled it. I never smelled it. We're doing, uh, doing something a little different. Ian was missing in action, and Whitehead had to work. And me and Hudson were just hanging out. And we watched, uh, I saw it in theaters. The last thing I saw in theaters where all this COVID bullshit happened. Um, we watched 1917. And Whitehead was like, I think we should do an episode on it, even though I hadn't seen it. Fletcher <laughs> just gave me a foot high five. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so, you know, a, a fun exercise. Say no if you want, but uh, uh, Whitehead, based on what he's seen off of it, predicts the plot. And then we see how close he is to it. Yeah, go. Just like in like four or five <laughs> simple points. Just four or five simple points. All right. Uh, they have to get a. They have to get a message across in our front lines. Correct. Um, they run into a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. Mm, they get separated. Yeah, technically. Uh, one of them dies, mm-hmm. and then one of them delivers the message. Can I, can that I also, was stupid accurate. I also want to add one. Also, there's going to be one guy that finds out being a leader of men isn't as easy as he thought it was. Whoop! Record rip. Um, that, that was straight up, though. That's gross, Whitehead. That was really gross how accurate. Oh, was, you, like, stupid. Oh. Accurate. Well, God damn it. Like, I don't My know bad. episode anymore. That was how accurate it was. <laughs> Later, everyone. No. Damn it. No, um... So, yeah, I mean, belying a simple story structure, I mean, I think it's pretty much the stakes and what's going on set up up front. So, uh, this is a movie that I don't think is so much about the story, which is, you know, mildly compelling, but uh, it's beautifully shot. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like the technicality and the cinematics that went into this. And, again, I know a lot of people have made complaints about, um, oh, it's not one shot, it's not one whole shot. I don't think he ever claimed it was supposed to be. Like, yeah, they obviously did digital cuts in there. Yeah, I think even if you take into consideration the digital cuts and the practical cuts they did, how it's would still they do really it? great. Yeah, like, I mean, the logistics of making a two-hour shot, like and making it entertaining. Yeah, I, I mean, the only way I think you could do that is that you would have to. It'd have to be a much more finite setting, like because they go really far. Like, yeah, I guess you could do it like a play, but. Like, I don't know why people thought, I'm kind of like you, I don't know why people thought, like, this is one big shot. I'm like, no, not everything can be that one shot from True Detective, which is sweet, or that 14-minute uh, shot from, like, uh, Children of Men that yeah. follows Clive Owen through the city. But um, He's just like, baby. 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 That, that's all Clive Owen does in Children of Men is say baby. But but this is a movie by Sam Mendes. I guess this is technically, I don't know if anyone's caught on. We don't do a lot of avant-garde or highbrow cinema but we occasionally yeah. touch on a little bit like we did we saw the joker in theaters and we did a thing on once upon a time in hollywood and i guess this is the only other oscar contender we've done of last year but you know we're not too myopic i don't think i mean we love horror and sci-fi but uh, again i didn't really think we were even gonna do an episode i just thought we were just chilling watching a movie why it's like do it so i was like okay yeah um and I forced my will upon them. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, fucking. And this is thus. Yeah, and so we're doing an episode on it. Um, should we spoil anything for them? 
I mean, I, mean, I mean, White had kind of already spoiled it. Like, he, he, I, he named the plot yeah, structure. Really I mean, that's. Did. No, I, just, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, it is a simple story. Don't, don't, don't be thinking that this is some sort of complex war mystery thriller, thriller in the veins of Valkyrie or something like that. I mean, it's just a simple story. It's just there's a very emotional human connection that you make to the characters. Of course, they play that up throughout, and, you know, that's only intensified by the fact that because of the way it's shot, you're staring them in the face the entire time. So, um, it's not, you know, a complex or confusing film. It's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, looking to the uh, human condition while in a time of war. Yeah, and I I do want to tout the movie for this because I did see it in theaters. It's not like – I love war movies – but sometimes they are very long. This was only an hour and 59 minutes, yeah. which I was like, cool, we got in under two. Um, I guess I do want to talk, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, how well it's shot on digital and all that good stuff. Um, some of the setting was great, like the no man's land part. I think so, that yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. When they get out of the trench. Um, I think the biggest lesson from this, though, is when a plane crashes of a German, do not fucking help them. Oh, do they help somebody and they immediately turned on them? Pretty much, yeah. Like, uh, hell no, it's it's wartime. Just fucking. Oh, oh, he's still alive. Pop him in the neck. Let's go. Uh, no, like I immediately like you, you pop someone when they're down. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I legal counsel is that probably good advice for me to give to anyone out there in the military. I'm just getting a big head shaking um, no I'm from not an, an expert in military law. So I thought you were Jag. What? Wait, what? No, you're Jag. He's got the first two seasons. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would actually be kind of disappointed like if he did. Uh, I, I guess I don't know how that works. That's a question for Hudson. Uh, well, uh, no, I, I wouldn't suggest doing it, but this is 1917, so let's. Oh yeah, the Geneva Convention wasn't even around yet. Mm, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> I love putting let's him. Talk, in the... Let's talk about Jag some more. Jag, Jag is something <laughs> unto itself. I hate Jag. I do too. I don't want to talk about Jag. I don't either. Oh, I thought y'all really wanted to know like what Fuck. it would take for Hudson to be in Jag, like the real. I mean, thing. it wouldn't be nothing it's crazy. Possible. Yeah, like it wouldn't be anything. Like it's not. Unthinkable or whatever. You trying to join, boy? You need to join. You, you need to join services. Uncle Sam needs you. Jag it up. Jag it yeah, up. you could be a jag. You could be a jag officer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where's Hudson? Cool. He's jagging off. Jagging off. It's the jagging ja- court. He's a jag. The jagging officer. fields with his dragon that he flies to work with. Like that's a big law dragon he fly to work <laughs> in. Like his jagging. Well, yeah, everybody gets one when you're a jag. Yeah. It's a big right. jag. Enough, enough. enough aggravating the we're lawyer. All done. He's going to sue us. Is that us. even that funny of a bit? Ooh, he is Ooh, shitting on us. Shit. Damn. I just like saying jag. Rough crowd, rough crowd. Yeah, rough crowd. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <sighs> mute anyone I want at any time. Yeah, he is the... the <laughs> he's also on the law board, too. God damn it, like, he it, just subpoenaed me. I can also make you sound like robots. Actually, Bro. I turned into Wilder now. I noticed at the end of an episode the other day that I was editing, you just randomly threw, like... I think it was mine or, or, or Whitehead's mic. It was just like... Okay. For like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what's that. It, too. it was like toward the end. Yeah. But um Yeah, no, I think uh, Sam Mendez really did a good job with this movie. I agree, yeah. Uh and those guys I was like you, I'm glad they chose two actors who were kind of unknown to give it more of that realistic feeling or like they're actual soldiers. Yeah, so you see them fall into the roles more so than the it's kind of sometimes hard to just suspend your disbelief in a very personalized story like that when it's, you know, 
Brad Pitt or, you know, someone else. But being two unknown people, it was really easy to uh, identify with the situation they were in. So I guess these guys were in the Army or something? Or in the Army? The British Army, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Um, uh, cameos at the motherfucker in this, if you're For into sure. British yeah. actors. Which uh, how many kills did those two, just those two guys get the whole movie? Oh, it's not like a, a super... I know. Bloody movie, but... I was, I was uh, just curious. Technically, they, just the one, he got two, right? The sniper. And then... And then the, the pilot. The pilot. And... I don't... Yeah, I don't think anyone else, right? Oh, no, no. He choked out that one guy. Yeah, so With three. his bare hands. Nice. So, yeah, he got three. That guy that he was like, shh, be quiet, and the guy instantly yeah, no, was no, like... No, no, you're right. That's three. I'm just trying to think if there are any more. I remember he pushed that one guy out of the way because I thought, like, you're going to have to kill him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a scene in this, though, Whitehead, that I do suggest you do take a look at this, where if I had to imagine what hell on earth would look like, it'd be that bombed-out town in France with flares going off at night. And there's a scene where, like, our... Now he's the main guy at this point in the movie. He's just walking this abandoned town that, like, looks like no one's ever lived in. It's just structures. There's a fire going on, and he sees... Just someone's... I don't know why it's so creepy in theaters. It's creepy watching again. Like, there's a big courtyard area with a fountain. And he just sees, like, a shadow. And they're, like, both kind of stop walking. And they just sort of looking. And you're like, oh, shit, is that a British soldier? And it just slowly starts walking faster toward him. And he just starts taking off. And it's just hip shooting at him with a bolt-action rifle. Oh, shit. Yeah, and you're like, oh, shit. No, I mean... uh yeah, Fletcher raises scary. a good point. There's a part towards the end, like this. This is so beautifully shot, like, and it's so vivid the colors, and so like at the end, um, I I would I would highly suggest do not be on LSD or shrooms or something when you watch this. No, really, because yeah, I don't it, think it, I'd want to. It, it's not the kind of film that you would think. Oh yeah, that'll that'll. Uh, turn some dials in the you know lysergic acid area, but it will there towards the end, and not in a good way. Like I mean, it, it's cool to watch, but don't watch it fucked up, or you'll because I mean, if Fletcher's right. It looks like a hellscape. Like yeah, I I mean, it literally looks like hell on earth. Like if you would imagine it, it's just a, all these abandoned Roman arches of this ancient, and there's just they're they're firing phosphorus. It's the dead of night, but they're firing phosphorus rounds in the air to light the whole area. It's just weird. Yeah, it does sound. Yeah, like I think intense. I turned to you at one point and was like. I could kind of see why, like, because it's 1917. It's not like the average Joe or anyone had the concept of, like, science fiction television. I could see why being in this war you might think, this is the apocalypse. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking about, too, like, I mean, you stop and thinking about it. They had biplanes then. It's 1917. You look up and say, oh, yeah, those were only invented, like, ten years ago. Yeah. And, see a and now, they're, now they're killing me. Or shooting at me they're, and shit. They're darting from the sky and shoot. I mean, yeah, it's like... It's almost the most, I mean, a steampunk sci-fi war you can think of because it's it's one of those rare instances where, like, massive amounts of technological revolution are lined up within a relatively short time with an actual implementation of it. So, war, so you have tanks, airplanes, all this stuff that was designed, like, ten years before. Like, even the... Instantly rolling out. Yeah, yeah like, and then we gotta fight it, and then, like, all the no-man's-land shit. Like, uh... I, I, I noticed it in the theater. I was to turn around right then. When they first get out of the trench to go deliver the message, one of them, they, they're in no man's land, which is like where all the dead animals and shit are, and it's not quite the front line, or, or it's all the barbed wire and shit. With, it's the area between the two different trench fronts. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the buffer zone. Yeah, the buffer zone, but like they have to cross that, and one dude immediately cuts his hand on some barbed wire, and they get down where like, there's a bomb, 
that has been hit like it's a big, uh, what am I trying to say? Crater. Oops. Crater, yeah, thank you, White Ed. And uh, they both slide down, and the dude who just cut his right hand just turns down and looks, and there's a rat coming out of a guy's body and his hand with open wounds just in that guy's back. Oh, my And there's God. one guy that's like, Ugh. he was blown into the wall of the trench, and it's just a skull hanging out with, like, bits and pieces of flesh. Like, it's not so much like the actual action is carnage it's just they show a lot of really fucking gross aftermath. And dead cows all over the place, and dead horses rotting and bloating, and rats running everywhere, and mm. fucking no food, by the way. These guys are like shared like a crappy ass like ham and biscuit. I was I was gonna say and like, then went he, to do this. He cut his hand, but that's 1917 cut hand. So exactly, I think I looked at Hudson. I was like, "Well, there's fucking tetanus," and I think Hudson was <laughs> like, sure. "Now he's got to deal with uh, like hell." Even if he lives through this, he's got to deal with what, what disease was it you said? Was uh, it tetanus or swine flu or something? I said so, uh, that's a uh, uh, staph infection or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah the shit one too, yeah. like where. Uh, Dysentery. You know, you dysentery. dysentery yeah. Probably, too. And his whole solution for cleaning that one was like, I'll pour some of my canteen water that's in fine. it. Yeah. And nah. just wrap it with a bandage. Oh, well, yeah, because that's 1917 canteen his buddy's water. his like, don't worry, dude, you'll be we'll jacking off in those trenches. Yeah, yeah no, nah, really, yeah, it was but, that's fine. Uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out, guys. It's, it it's really Sam Mendez. He's done stuff like, uh, why, I don't know if you ever saw American Beauty. Mm, no. Jarhead. Mm, parts. Road to Perdition. No. Well, it's Sam Mendes. He's pretty good director. Sorry. No, you're cool. I was kind of disappointed there. I didn't no, like, no, no, no. What, what I did watch of Jarhead, I did not really care for. It, that's not one of my favorite ones either. But I, but just, I could maybe blame that on Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Wait. Yeah. Sam Mendes did Muppet Treasure Island? No, he didn't. I oh, I was like, I didn't know this. It's a classic. Nah, he's, just, he's just making fun of me. Old Tom's. No, no, no. I'm just asking. Yeah, I have. Everyone has. You're a very sensitive little flower. I know. Ooh. I know. He's My little cabbage patch boy. Is it because you didn't get to watch 1917? Is that no, why you're I mean, on? I mean, I would have liked to have watched it, but, I mean. You had to work. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean I'm not mad about it, but I probably will watch this eventually. He's got a knife right now, and he's saying he's not mad about it, but someone called someone. After you hear this delayed podcast, he also has his microphone cord wrapped extremely tight around his arm, cutting the circulation off to his he's hand. He's getting a needle out right now. Uh, no, I don't do that. He's gonna go. He's gonna Cobain it, y'all. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. None of y'all are Courtney Love. <laughs> True. Uh, but uh, I, I did enjoy this movie. And, and Whitehead, do you want us? Do, do you either one of y'all have any questions for us? We wrap this up. Uh, not that it wouldn't spoil anything. Good enough. Uh, why did you want us to rate it? Yeah, Just yeah. Give me, us. give me a rating. I want your own personal ratings. Hudson, you go first. I'll give this an eight and a half out of ten. It's fair. I'll give it a seven out of ten. All right. What's better, this or Saving Private Ryan? Oh, Saving oh, Private. Oh, I, I think Saving Private Ryan. I'm not then, just saying that because I'm an American. Well, Vin Diesel's right, right, right. dead. This, this or Hearts War. This or, or, or Hearts War? War? Yeah. Uh, this. This. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, not, I'm not saying Hearts War's bad. I like Hearts War. I own it on DVD, oddly enough. Yeah, I was going to say, it's right. Did you just look at the first DVD you <laughs> no. saw on the rack? No, I, I just, I just, I, that came out of my head. No, uh, yeah, no, uh, this, though, mm-hmm. over Hearts War. Uh, okay. Any other ones, Whitehead? <laughs> no, it's. All right, well, we'll catch y'all in 2117. The, s- <laughs> the sequel to 1979, I don't know.
I'd watch it. I'd check it out. But all right, everyone, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Peace. Bye.